Hello, Babylonians! Hey, Babyloids! with us for a long time even from the beginning and we cannot say thank you enough and I know a lot of you have been asking a lot lately how do you make your own podcast well it's simple I use anchor Anchor anchor.fm which is the website or there is an app or you can go on your computer whatever you want to do it's the easiest way Um, it is run through Spotify so that is one of the first uh, platforms that you'll be able to distribute your podcast out onto and there's lots of different it'll stream to at least I think 10 different platforms or more um, I'm going to give you a quick rundown about how it works anchor lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer so no matter where your setup is like you can start creating today today and tell me what your podcast name is because you know I'm gonna listen Then you can distribute your podcast to the most popular listening platforms, including Spotify with a single tap. Anchor is also the place you can publish video podcasts to Spotify. I know a lot of you have been asking for video. Don't worry, I'm working on it. With Anchor, creators can earn money, yes, yes, you heard that right, in a variety of ways, including ads like this one and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. That's what sold me even though it didn't have to sell me because it's free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Happy listening. Babylons. <laughs> My name is Tootsie Floof. <laughs> and I am Sassy Buns. Or better known as Nicole and Shauna. Yes. <laughs> Respectively, Nicole. I am Shauna. Yes. I am the co-host. She is the main host. I am the. I sit here and I do things. She does. And I, I talk sit about here and I don't. <laughs> I sit here and I talk about murders. And I laugh and giggle and vape and cry and cry. And yeah. do all the things. I do. So, coming in hot, we've had a couple two-parters back to back. So I hope you guys have been enjoying them because it's weird because we're recording this all pre-recorded. Yeah. <laughs> Start recording this. Sounded weird in my head, but yeah. So we've uh, we're doing just, what most people like what organized people do. Yeah, we're one thing that we've talked about for two years now, <laughs> we finally hit that plateau. We're doing it. We're doing it. <laughs> doing it. And because by it so by this time, Shauna's going to be well cool. past your birthday. Well past my birthday. Yeah, I was thinking yes. about that when I went pee. I'm like, we didn't fucking say happy birthday to you for episode one. The first one we recorded yeah, in this done. day. It's fine. So thanks for uh, everybody who showed me birthday love, because I'm sure you guys absolutely did. Hopefully. <laughs> you did. You did. Thanks. Thanks, Bad Love you guys so much. Um, and <laughs> Shauna is going to be really close to being... In Arkansas. Arkansas there already. moved. So that's a thing. Yep. That's a fucking thing. We're not getting into that, sister. Stop it with your eyeballs. Okay. So, yes. Yeah, we're going to figure it out. Everything's going to work out, but mm-hmm. we've we've got episodes recorded ahead for you guys. So Because we love you. Yes, because we love you. And now we really want to get into part two because we want to know where we I want to know what the fuck happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you did not listen to part one of Miss Erin Caffey, you need to go back and listen to part one because that's important. Yes. 
So we just found out that her family has been shot and killed, except for her dad, who survived. And there's a fire. And there was a fire, because apparently fires were the theme for these last four episodes. Mm-hmm. or Well, three episodes, including this one. Mm-hmm. So, fire. Um, Nicole fire! Has, Nicole has not committed arson. Um, hopefully we've had a few bonfires since I mean, this has been... Living that dream, right? Yeah. Right, sister? Um, just, yeah, that's just always going to be a dream. I just really love fire. Um... I would never, I would, uh, like, if I could be like, oh, we need to set this thing on fire if, like, someone needed help, like, legally doing arson. Yeah. There's a way you to know, do it. burning a body. Burning She'd a... She'd so be down. I'd so be down. You know, some people want to do that. Uh, give them a, anybody need a Viking funeral. I'm your girl. <laughs> Call me. Yo. Sponsor me. Whatever. I'll do it all. <laughs> Build a ship to burn. Burn, baby, burn. <laughs> so, we had just gotten on last week's episode... Um, and we found out that what's-her-name is still alive. Yeah, Erin is alive. Her, um, her two younger brothers, her mother, are deceased. And then her dad crawled, fell into a creek, almost drowned, and almost died from that. Mm-hmm. Crawled to a neighbor's house a mile away, I think, or so. Something like that, yeah. Pretty far away. And they Hence found her... Rural. Rural. I need to rural. learn how to say that because when I moved to Arkansas, that's a rural... It's <laughs> rural... Place. They're not place. Any Arkansans? <laughs> help us out. Arkansans. Arkansans. Arkansians. Arkansans. 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 America. Explain. <laughs> why is this Kansas and why is this Arkansas? <laughs> yeah, makes zero sense. It's fine. So, anyways, so we're gonna get into it. Um, her parents have, or well, mom and brothers are gone. They found her, and the last thing that she talked about was... And they was an officer. An officer yeah, an officer. Found her, found her in this... her boyfriend's house. Her boyfriend's friend's house. Friend's house, yes. yes. He has been taken into custody, and all she said, the last we heard from her was, Fire. 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 Fire starter. Good movie. Sorry. The original. Yeah, I'm, the, the original. I'm very indifferent about seeing the new ones, yeah. which means I probably won't. But you know what you should see? The Netflix things. <laughs> Which one? Our Father. Our Father. And Baby God. Baby God. Definitely if you guys listened to a couple episodes ago, we talked about these fertility doctors. Infertility doctors. Okay, so, sorry. I know everybody wants to know what the fuck happens in this episode. But you're going to wait a Especially you. Yeah, I, I really do. That's probably why my brain is like, let's go a thousand bah, miles an hour. Bah, 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 bah. So, I was talking to Vince about the, the shows on Netflix and like mm-hmm. how it's like the opposite of a serial killer. But they're, so it's because they're serial multiplying. They're like creating their own race. Yeah. That's very it's, cult like. It's the fucking opposite of serial killer, but serial multiplier. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking weird. It's, you guys need to watch it. And That's crazy. Yeah. I'm surprised we didn't talk about that earlier. I know. When I recorded Again, when I peed again. I'm like, oh, these thoughts. I get some of the best thoughts when I pee. So peeing and peeing and then, or being in the bathroom or in the shower. Best yes. thoughts ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or all the com- conversations you want to have with someone but can't. Yeah. I used to do that For all the Vince, time. it's when he has an orgasm. Like, that's when he gets his best story ideas. And I'm like, really? And it's always about murder. And I'm like, really? That's it? Anyway, sorry. That was way up. <laughs> sorry. Not leaving it. Not leaving it. Not believing that. Yes, sir. Oh, Malantis. All right. So. That's when it happens. So now we're going to get back into it. Fire. So. Fires where she left off. That's all she said. Her voice trailing off. 
as if and this is like his eyes. And her lifeless, dumb face. Two eyes. I don't know. Stupid. I don't know if they're lifeless. Anyway. So, she was taken by an ambulance to the Hopkin, Hopkins? Hopkins County Memorial <sighs> Hospital. Strange things. Strange in, things. Sorry. in Sulphur Springs, where she was given a full medical assessment. At the suggestion of Detective Allman, she was interviewed in the hospital's trauma room by Shanna Sanders. Mm-hmm. Not Shauna Sanders. Okay. Shanna. The young personal chief of police for the Reigns Independent School District, who was on the first name basis with most of the high school students. Um, Sheriff's Deputy Serena Booth, you go girls, um, sat in. At the time, Aaron was believed to be a victim, a girl who investigators presume had been kidnapped after the murders. <laughs> you fucking murders? No, right. not murders. Gently, Saren, Saren, Deputy. S- Serendipity. Mm-hmm. Nope, not here. <laughs> Sanders asked Aaron mm-hmm. what she remembered in a timid, childlike voice that Sanders had said she had strained to hear. Gross. Aaron spoke haltingly, offering few details. She seemed confused, repeatedly telling the officers that she was 14 years old. She's not. She's 16, almost 17. She had woken up in a house full of smoke, and she said there had been two guys with swords. <laughs> dressed in black, who had ordered her to get down on the floor. We're here to duel to the end of yes. life. Yes. Though she was unsure how she'd gotten to the trailer, she says she did remember trying to call her friend, Charlie, and being able to unreach him. Being, being able to unreach him. Being unable to reach him. <laughs> I'm. I've done a lot of reading. You guys, that was the <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to go back and re-listen to that. I hate it. I then she drank. I was not able to unreach you. So I said, <laughs> not you were able absolutely to unreachable. I was hoping you wouldn't be <laughs> being able to unreach him. <laughs> be unable to reach him. I'm so fucking fine. It's fine. <laughs> then she drank some stuff that was offered to her at the trailer, and she could not recall every anything afterward. Mm-hmm. She was teary at the start of the interview, but otherwise she showed little emotion. Because fucking bitches always do. When Sanders asked if she had anything else to say, she whispered, They're coming after me. Mm. Who? The men in swords? Mm-hmm. They're going to come on fucking horses with fucking... Uh, uh, I can't think. Mm-hmm. Capes? Yep. Is fucking Zorro coming to get you? Yes. Zorro uh-huh. looks so good. Headless horseman? Something. Headless horseman. Horseman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sanders and Booth would later reflect on the fact that Aaron had not smelled like smoke because she wasn't there. And Sanders regretted that she had turned away to give Aaron some privacy when her maternal grandmother, Virginia Daly, had come to tell her that her her father had miraculously survived the attack. Because he's a warrior! Mm -hmm. But that morning, I don't know what that accent was. The two officers felt only pity for the soft-spoken girl who had just lost her mother and two brothers. No. Because she knew how to do that. That's what she was able to do most of her life. She was get, get away she was, with her looks. Yep, she her... was very charming. <sighs> they stayed with her for five hours until she was released from the hospital and then offered to accompany her, accompany her, <laughs> accompany her and her grandparents to the intensive care unit at the East Texas Medical Center in Tyler to see Aaron's father. You're a tough little girl, Sanders told her. Ugh! I hate how she's manipulating this situation. It's a scary scene. I mean, you just don't want to imagine. I guess you imagine the worst and hope for the best, is what Reigns County Sheriff David Trailer said. Called out to the home around 4 a.m. Saturday for an apparent gunshot victim and house fire, they also found 
Three victims had been found in the residence, a burned residence, a trailer. The victims had been burned, and they had been sent to Swift's for autopsies. Those victims had identified as Penny Caffey, who was 39, and her two sons, an 8-year-old and a 13-year-old. Whoo! The father, Terry Caffey, was shot but made it out of the burning house alive. Bleeding, he crawled to a neighbor's home for help. Right now, it's unknown if the three victims died from the fire or the gunshot wound. Okay, so they, I was about to ask that. So the other three, the, the wife and the two boys, boys, they had gunshot wounds as well? Yes. Okay. They were all shot in their sleep. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. At this time, we do not we do not know. The bodies have been so badly burned, said Trailer. The Rains County Sheriff's Office is releasing little details, but we do know four suspects have been arrested. Two boys and two girls all have been charged with three counts of capital murder. I just can't believe something like this would happen in a small town. Man, oh man, Everybody do you hear that. that? Every single time. We've had very intense things happen in our little small town. Like, it was fucking nuts. You. Yeah, yikes. Said Emory resident Joyce Bell. It's really sad. The alleged murder investigation is the talk of the town. We spoke with several people at Y'all Come Back, Come Back, Y'all Come Back Cafe. That's adorable. I got too excited because that just sounds so cute. <laughs> Who say they knew the two boys who've been arrested in connection to the killings. That's so sad. These kids you probably watched grow up and they grow up to do this shit. They partied sometimes, but they were never bad kids to me. I mean, shocked me hearing about it because they're, they're not like that, especially towards me, said one friend who hung out with them all the time, even talked to them that Friday night. I don't understand how they just changed in an instance. I don't understand, said the friend. Some of these people wanted to remain anonymous, and I don't blame them. I think there's something that influenced them because they're not that type of person. Yeah, sex. <laughs> I just can't believe it, said Emory High School student uh, Montrell Christian. You wouldn't think anything like that would happen to him. KLTV7 was starting to learn more about the victims. The mother, Kent, Penny Caffey, was employee of the month. No, was an employee <laughs> of Meals on Wheels because she's a fucking patron saint. She worked as a substitute driver delivering meals to members of the Emory community. Father Terry and the young children were all involved in their church. They sang and played instruments for the church band. Everyone was horrified to hear of their deaths, especially those who knew the family, because they were really involved with that church. Like, so many people knew them, mm -hmm. saw them on a two to th two to three times a week. I just loved them to death, is what one friend said, Carl Johnson. It was just like losing one of my kids when I found out about it. Aaron, Bubba, Tyler. I knew every one of them since they were just kids. Right now, the investigators are left figuring out how the family died, piecing together a puzzle out of the ashes. The investigators tell us that there were five members of the Caffey family, including 16-year-old daughter. They say she's alive, was not shot, but they will not tell us where she is and if she mm -hmm. was in any way involved. Dum-dum-dum. KLTV was starting to learn more. Oh, I already read that. Um, uh, dum-dum-dum-dum. So they okay. Her story, uh, Aaron's story, was starting to unravel though, as Charlie was being questioned at the sheriff's office in Emory. Detective Almond, a plain, plain-spoken Navy veteran with a blunt, intense manner, led the investigation, while Texas Ranger John Vance as assisted him. At the outset, Charlie muttered, "I'm in a lot of trouble." You think? Yeah. Almond informed Charlie that he had been identified by a victim who had survived the attack and asked him to tell them exactly what had happened in the previous night. If Charlie was startled by the news that he had left behind an eyewitness, he did not give himself away. 
Slowly, though, he began to parcel out information. Aaron had called him the day before, he said. She was, he recounted, still pretty pissed off about her telling us that we could not see each other. Once again, she told him that she wanted them dead. Charlie had urged her just to run away, but Aaron said, no, kill them. So he's just fucking selling her out. Good. Around 1.30 the next morning, he told Allman he, a he and a friend had gone to the cafe home. The friend whom he initially refused to identify was his hunting buddy named Charles Wade. Hmm? Matthew's younger brother. The house that they they got found out. The 20-year-old needed money, and Charlie had promised $2,000 if he would help him kill the Caffies. Uh, cash that Aaron had told Charlie he would find in a lockbox inside the house. No, they don't. They brought along Wade's girlfriend, a bubbly high school senior named Bobby Johnson, whose silver Dodge Neon they were driving. According to Charlie, Johnson did not know what the boys' plans were, but had insisted on coming with them. Charlie had told the detective that when they first drove up, the Caffey's dog had barked so much that they decided to leave, but Aaron called him on the cell phone afterward and promised to keep the dog quiet when they returned, and so with Wade behind the wheel of the neon, they went back to Kathy's house. Isn't it awful that I'm like, oh, thank God they didn't shoot the dog? No, because I'm this thing. I mean, like, I'm not happy. I'm not happy that her family's dead, like three of her family members, but, like, I don't know why dog deaths just hit me what? harder. Mm -hmm. I think that's a lot of people who are like that. I'm just... <sighs> the three picked up Aaron at the end of her parents' driveway and rode around for an hour talking about what to do. Charlie told the detective that he asked Aaron several times to consider running away, but she was um, pretty on top of the fact that she wanted her parents dead. Finally, they turned back toward the cafe home and walked and parked down the road. It was agreed that Charlie would kill Aaron's parents and Wade would take care of the two boys so no witnesses would be left behind. Oh, oh my gosh. I ain't got no conscience, Charlie said to the investigators about his decision to follow through on Aaron's wishes. I joined the army to do whatever I needed to be done without thinking. As for her parents, he said, I intended to kill them because I thought I was in love. Which, I mean... I... Uh, mm, that's a lot. I know if love means that you go kill somebody. Yeah. Uh, I, I have another case that's kind of similar to that. Um, <laughs> according to Charlie, the girl stayed behind the car while he and Wade went inside. They entered through the front door, which Aaron had left open. Armed with a twenty-two caliber pistol and two samurai swords, oh. they moved through the house with brutal efficiency. Charlie crept into Terry and Penny's first floor bedroom and fired at them until his gun jammed. He handed the gun to Wade, who fixed the twenty-two and fired two more shots. They left the room, and then Charlie came back and cut Penny's throat to make sure she was dead. The sound of gunfire had woken up Bubba and Tyler, who called out for their parents and then locked themselves in Aaron's room. Charlie told the detective that when he, he and Wade were satisfied that Aaron's parents were dead, Wade instructed him to go get the kids because little ones talk. Oh, my God. Charlie had balked, and Wade in return threatened to leave. Charlie balked, which means he didn't want to go deal with these kids, I guess. Mm -hmm. So he ended up going upstairs and told the boys to come out of Aaron's room and go to their beds. They were scared, and I could not stand to look at their faces, he said. Bubba tried to put up a fight by kicking Charlie, and when he did, Wade, who was still downstairs, raised the twenty-two, aimed at the balcony where the brothers stood and shot... Uh, you need trigger warning this, Nicole? Stop. Shot the little boy in the face. Wow. He fell to the floor and did not move again. Mm. 
Charlie, who had narrated the night's events with stoic detachment, broke down as he recounted how Wade had come up the stairs and stabbed eight-year-old Tyler. Oh, my gosh. I could not do it, he said, covering his face with his hands. Why did he have to die? Yet, Charlie said he thought he had also stabbed Tyler at least once. Wow. Well, um, I'm going to add a big old trigger warning at the 18-minute mark, so I'll fix that. After the killing spree, obviously, Charlie told the detective he carried a suitcase of Aaron's belongings, which she had previously packed out to the car. She seemed happy, he remembered. She smiled and said, I'm glad that it's over. Of course you're glad it's over. You didn't have to do the fucking crime. You just organized it. He and Wade went back inside, retrieved the lockbox, which Charlie opened using the combination Aaron had given him. The take, along with the contents of Terry's wallet and Penny's purse, amounted to $375 and some change. They used their pocket lighters to set fire to the furniture and clothes and bed sheets. As they hurried down the gravel road away from the cafe's home, the teenagers could see the house was ablaze. I hate this next part. It's just disgusting. They Is drove. A trigger warning? Okay. No, it's okay. just fucking gross. Okay. I should have. I didn't. It's okay. They drove back down the road for a while to blow off steam. Later that night, he told the detective Wade dropped him and Aaron off at the trailer where they had sex. Mm. I hope that God forgives me, Charlie added. Nope. <laughs> Sorry. God will not forgive that. And the fact that there's there's another case. Um, little side babble. I think it's Jasmine. Jasmine something. But her parents die, and her little brother ends up dying too. And her, yeah, and her boyfriend's name was Jeremy Stanky. Yeah. And I know, it's morbid covered them, and they're like, Stanky. Mm-hmm. But the, they, after, and she was like 12, and he was like 24, 25, like big old age difference. Um, but they end up going after her family, her whole family's dead. And they go off and have sex. I'm like, the fact that that's where your brain goes, like, that is a whole different level of demented. Like, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. like, come on. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Well, they did come on. Anyways. Mm-hmm. The investigation moved forward quickly on Saturday afternoon. Almond learned that Aaron's toxicology test, she had been screened for Roy... Roy... Roy, no, Rofen, no. <laughs> Whoa. Rofenol? R-O-H-Y-P-N-O-L. G-H-B and other drugs that can cause memory loss had come back negative. She saw no symptoms of smoke inhalation. Chief Deputy Fisher picked up Bobby Johnson outside the restaurant where she washed dishes, and he pulled Charles Wade over driving her car. Johnson, who had recently played a minor role in the high school production of Oklahoma... Seemed to be in high spirits. Uh, That's the girl. At the sheriff's office that afternoon, she played dumb with the officers until they told her they had Wade and Wilkinson in custody, at which point she admitted what she knew. Wade, who held out the longest, finally confessed under Almond's relentless questioning. Yeah, pepper him. Pepper them. Pepper, pepper, pepper. Their detailed accounts of the night were consistent with Charlie's. A for- Charlie's? I don't know why I said it like that. A former special ed student with a heavy-lidded gaze, Wade showed no remorse, and he casually recounted how he had killed the two boys. Before the conclusion of the interview, he added a detail to the story that Charlie had left out. As they'd driven away from the burning house, he said Aaron had cried out, Holy shit, that was awesome. Boy. Yeah, like... 
Ugh. All because she wanted to be with this boy. Ugh. While the suspects were being questioned in the sheriff's office in Emory, her grandparents were driving to the hospital in Tyler, escorted by Chief Sanders and Deputy Booth. Just a few minutes into the drive, however, Sanders' cell phone rang. It was Fisher calling to inform Sar Sanders that Aaron had implicated has been implicated in the Kathy murders and she needed to be placed under arrest. For a moment, Fisher heard only dead silence on the other end of the line. Sanders passed the phone to Booth. You want us to do that now? He asked. Sanders pulled her squad car into a parking lot and the dailies followed. She informed them that they had been instructed to arrest their granddaughter in connection with the Kathy murders and requested that Aaron step out of the car. Virginia Daly became hysterical and grabbed Aaron's face. Did you have any part in this? She demanded. No, Grandma. Aaron told her, crying. Liar! As a juvenile, 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 both, Aaron could not be taken directly to the sheriff's office for questioning, and so she appeared that afternoon before a justice of the peace. After everything we heard, I was picturing a monster, for lack of a better word, said Sergeant Vance. Here was someone who had dreamed up a scheme to murder her family and manipulated people into carrying out her plan, and then in walks this tiny, meek, blonde-headed girl who couldn't fight her way out of a wet paper sack. <laughs> Little do you know. <laughs> right. The judge informed Erin of her rights and asked if she would be willing to speak with the investigators. She declined to meet with Texas Ranger or Detective Alman, um, electing to make a written statement instead. The brief account put her down in her girlish handwriting echoed what she had told Chief Sanders. There had been smoke and strangers with swords, and she could not remember much else. She was taken to the juvenile detention center in Greenville, where she was held on charges of capital fucking murder. Good. Less than 24 hours after the murders, Wade, Johnson, Charlie, and Aaron were all in custody. Terry Caffey was discharged from the hospital several days later and went to stay with his sister in the town of Leonard, which was an hour's drive from Alba. For a man who had been shot five times and climbed out the window of a burning house, he would could consider them. He could consider himself lucky. He had a broken nose, two fractured cheekbones, and a minor and minor nerve damage in his right arm. I remember the nurse coming in saying, "Mr. Kathy, you can go home now." Terry told me when I visited him when this spring. All I heard was the word "home." I thought, "I don't have a home. I don't have a family to go home to." Right. And I remember weeping, just weeping uncontrollably. Oh, that just made me so sad. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. Oh, that made my eyes burn. I laid on my sister's couch for a few days, and that's when the despair hit me. Ugh! Does he know about his daughter at this point? I don't know. Yeah. I decided that I was going to go back to my property and end my life. Oh, boy. <clears throat> I was going to lay down and shoot myself right there on the spot where I lost my family. I wanted to die where they died. And then I decided, no, there's been enough bloodshed. I'm going to take all of the pain pills they gave me, all the depression medication, the Xanax, everything, drink me a bottle of Jim Beam, put a hose in the tailpipe of my daughter's pickup, run it up to the window, and just fall asleep and not wake up again. The fuck? So two or three days I pondered on this. Somebody brought me a Bible and told me to read the book of Job. While I read the story... I'd heard, read the story countless times before. I read it again, and it was almost like I was there with Job. He lost everything, his whole family, all his worldly possessions, but he did not lose his faith, and God blessed him doubly. <sighs> that turned me around and got me thinking that God might have a plan for me. He didn't bring me through all of that for nothing. Oh, this is ruining me. <laughs> I went back to our property as soon as I was better. 
There's nothing left but the subfloor and the metal roof. I spent days out there picking through the ashes. I would get on my hands and knees and just dig. I didn't find much. A Hot Wheels car, a broken ceramic cup, a horseshoe-shaped belt buckle that my kids gave me for Christmas. I ended up buying me a reused RV and moved it back up on my land. Everybody said I was crazy for going back, but it brought me healing. I put my RV right on the spot where my house once stood, and I stayed out there for about four months. I was so stubborn, I thought, I'll be darned if someone is going to run me off our property. When I leave, it will be when I'm ready and when God's ready for me to leave. Some nights it was pitch black by the time I got home, and I had to work up the courage to get out of the car. I brought me a 9mm pistol, and I slept with it beside me. Twice a week, Terry made the trip to Greenville to see his daughter. He could not ask Aaron any of the questions he longed to know the answers to. Her lawyer had warned him that their their conversations were being recorded and anything Aaron said could be used against her at trial. Fuck her. Sorry. Well, that's his... I know. Yeah. And so Terry sat the opposite, the only surviving member of his family. The girl who investigators were telling him had wanted him and his wife and sons dead Jesus. and conversed with her about subjects as mundane as the weather. Terry found the visits agonizing, but he felt compelled to be in the presence of his only living child. His daughter looked fragile and anxious in her orange prison jumpsuit, and at the end of every visit, he made sure to tell her that he loved her. Oh my gosh. During the many hours in which they made polite conversation, he ventured only once to ask her questions of of substance. It was a question that preoccupied him more than his doubts about her innocence. Were me and your mom good parents, he asked her, they said as they sat on the opposite sides of the plexiglass divider. Yes, Aaron assured him, blinking back tears. She couldn't have asked for a better mom or dad. I don't believe you. I'm sure, I mean, yeah, they were tough parents, but I don't, I don't. If she truly felt that way, that wouldn't have happened. She might think that way now. Right. Now that all this shit happened. Yeah. And then obviously your dad's coming to fucking visit you, you little twat. twat goblin. <laughs> Given the complexity that four capital murder cases posed for a small, ah, rural, <laughs> rural, rural, rural <laughs> county. <laughs> I hate it. That te- <laughs> was so stressful. The Texas County, no, Texas Attorney General's office was asked to assist the Raines County District Attorney in bringing the four defendants to trial. Assistant Attorney General Lisa Tanner, a seasoned prosecutor who was who has sent four men to death row in her 18 years as a trial lawyer, was assigned to the case. This was not the most brutal or cold-blooded case I ever prosecuted, she told but when you took all the different factors and put them together, how young and seemingly normal the perpetrators were, excuse me, oh my god, how ruthless they were, how stupid they were, how cavalier they were, how utterly undeserving this family was, it was, without question, the most disturbing case I've ever dealt with. Yeah. The crime also defied easy explanation. Though Charlie and Wade had been drinking that night, neither was using drugs. Aaron's desire to have her parents killed did not appear to be motivated by any mistreatment or trauma. Just a little bratty girl who just wanted to be with her boyfriend and she sucks. <sighs> Direct quote. Yep. <laughs> Your court-mandated psychological evaluation failed to point to any abuse in the Kathy home because she wasn't. Yet Tanner had no doubt that Aaron had masterminded the crime. Yep. The phone records really did it for me, she said. When I saw those phone records, I realized that it didn't matter if a single one of the other defendants t- testified against her. We were still going to be able to co- convict her of capital murder. The phone records corroborated a, a 
pivotal point in Charlie's account of the murders. From 11.46 p.m. until 12.48 a.m. that night, Aaron called him six times inside the cafe house. Tanner said, reading from the case file, but the kicker was from 122 to 158 when she called him seven more times. That comported completely with what Charlie told us, which was that she kept calling and saying, where are y'all? What's the holdup? Hurry up, come back, and I'll keep the dog quiet. Tanner sat down with Terry Caffey and showed him the phone records this past June. She needed to explain to him why prosecutors were asking the court to certify Aaron as an adult. If certified, she would say, face the same punishment at trial as an adult, including life without parole, with one notable exception, even when certified a juvenile can't cannot receive the death penalty. Okay. Tanner was the in, in a difficult position of briefing the victim of a crime who also happened to be the parent of the perpetrator. It's an awful thing to have to do to lay out to a man that his daughter wanted him dead and was responsible for the deaths of the refs, deaths of the rest of his family. I brought all the relevant documents and pictures and we went through everything. Showed him photos of the suitcase Aaron packed, the burned out lockbox, that was open to the combination that she'd given Charlie. I showed him the statement that a friend of hers had given the investigators about how Aaron had wanted them to be killed. I told her about Charlie, her and Charlie having sex afterwards, which was by far the hardest thing to have to tell him. He cried a lot and kept asking why. I don't understand. We didn't see any of this coming. I mean, I know they were strict, but yeah, this would be the last thing that came out of left field. And sorry, but like... His wanting to die before, I can't even... Yeah, exactly. I. This would be, for for me, this would be, this is... This would be it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, this would be is, the straw that broke the camel's back. Oh my gosh. Yeah, awful. Ugh. Ugh. And yet, after Terry had seen every last piece of evidence, he continued to visit Aaron and never mm -hmm. wavered in his support standing beside his daughter at each court appearance, holding her hand. <laughs> For the many people who puzzled over his loyalty, there were many others in the pews of miracle faith and elsewhere who understood it as the scriptural imperative of unconditional love. Terry drew particular sustenance from a passage in Romans chapter 12. Bless them which persecute you, a principle that in the end informed his wish that his family killers be spared the death penalty. My heart tells me there have been enough deaths Terry wrote in a letter to the Raines County District Attorney, Robert Vidito, this that fall, I want them in this lifetime to have a chance for remorse and to come back to a place of repentance for what they've done. Killing them will not bring my family back. Oh, there it is. He asked that Charlie Wilkinson and Charles Wade receive sentence of, of life in prison without parole. After consulting with the Attorney General's office, Vidito honored his wishes and offered them a plea deal. In November, they each pled guilty to three counts of capital murder. Hmm. At their sentencing hearings in January, January, January? I said that weird. Terry rose to address each of them in the courtroom. He spoke first to Wade, who remained impassive, then to Charlie. In time, God has shown me what it... Woo! Oh, gosh, sorry. In time, God has shown me what it means to forgive, Terry said as Charlie's eyes shone with tears. Charlie Wilkinson, I want to say to you today, I forgive you. Oh, my God. Not so much for your sake, but for my own. I refuse to grow into a bitter old man. If I want to heal and move on, I must find some forgiveness in my heart. And this has been the hardest thing I've ever had to do because you took so much from me. So, that's fucking me up. So and that, but like, like, nothing like that toward his daughter? That's kind of weird. Right. 
I mean, he's the one who did it. I get it. But at the same time, like, it wouldn't have happened. Right. He's trying to have your daughter just run away. Yeah. Today, Terry lives in a little brick house in Wells Point, about 30 miles southwest of Alba, just down the road from the cemetery where Penny and the boys are buried. He became an ordained minister in April, and he gives his testimony most weekends at local churches using his family story as an object lesson in forgiveness. To the astonishment of many of his closest friends, he remarried that year, or that later on in time. Mm-hmm. Um, he found a good listener in Sonia Webb, a, pr- a pretty divorcee he met in the course of his work as a home health aide. Webb was raising two sons on her own. She asked him to lunch that June, and they never ran other things to talk about. Wow. Terry missed being a fa- husband and a father. Terry, Tommy Gaston said he needed somebody to lay down beside him at night who he could tell his troubles to. They said their vows in October at Miracle Faith, just a few feet from where Terry's wife and son's cast had rested seven months earlier. Oh, wow, that's really fast. That's, but, yeah. I mean, Webb's boys, Blake, who was 17, and Tanner, who was 9, bear a passing resemblance to Bubba and Tyler. I was wondering if that was going to be a thing. Terry, who shares a warm relationship with his stepson, says that, like Job, he has been doubly blessed for never faltering in his faith in God. Once a month, Terry makes a three-hour trip to Gatesville, where Aaron is incarcerated. At his urging, he received a lesser, she received a lesser sentence than life without parole. He wanted to make sure that she had something to live for, he said, and so she accepted a plea deal, two life sentences to be served concurrently, plus an additional 25 years which ensures that with good behavior she will be eligible for parole, for parole when she's 59 years old. Now that she has pled out in the, in the specter of a capital murder, murder trial is gone, their conversations are no longer restricted and Terry is free to ask his daughter whatever he wants to know. Yet when I visited him, he seemed hesitant. I've got to so many questions that I don't, know, I don't want to hit her with them all at once. He has thus far chosen to accept the storyline she's provided him. She planned on running away that night, but then changed her mind. Phone calls she told her father were to dissuade Charlie from coming at all. No. It was Charlie who wanted the family dead, and when he came to the house, she had been powerless to stop him. Fuck you. Wow, so she's not taking any accountability. Nope. I think she thought Charlie was just blowing smoke, Terry said. I don't think she actually thought he would go through with it. I know my daughter. She's cried one time when we were in the truck, and I ran... She cried one time when I, we were in my truck and I ran over a squirrel. She's tender-hearted. No kid's an angel, but I know she what she's capable of, and I know she's not capable of murder. Of course, that's why she had somebody else do it for her. She, however, told another version of the story to Israel Lewis, who is the mental health counselor who was hired to evaluate her for the defense. When she spoke to Lewis, she insisted that Charlie had a, vo- a volatile yeah, temper, that he killed her family after she'd broken up with him and framed her. I work with some good liars, but Aaron was one of the best, said Lewis, who has 19 years' experience um, with counseling juvenile offenders. She seemed totally sincere and genuine, and I would have put my license on the line to say that she um, was telling me the truth. She spoke with tears in her eyes. God will save me. He knows I'm innocent. I cried every time I left her jail cell. I've worked with some good liars, but Aaron was one of the best. Huh. Seems a little conflicting, but all right. Only after learning the details of the criminal investigation did Lewis realize that Aaron had been ah, manipulating him. He continued to visit her at the county jail, but what disturbed him the most at the end of the year of counseling was the realization he could no more explain that she wanted her family killed than on the day that he had first met her. She remained a mystery. 
You could not have paid her to say anything negative about her parents. I still long for the day when I know she was hurting her, when I know what was hurting her bad enough to make such a decision. Not getting her way. Yep. <laughs> she declined interview requests, but the three other defendants each agreed to sit down with me and read. This came from, uh, uh, I can't remember the article. I'll link it in the show notes. Um, and revisit the early, sit down and revisit the early morning of March 1st, 2008. They all give similar accounts with Aaron serving as the driving force behind the killings. Johnson, who's serving a 40-year sentence, recalled how Charlie had repeated, repeatedly asked Aaron to consider running away as the group had driven around before the murders. Charlie kept saying, are you sure you want to do this? Johnson recounted. And when she said, why are you asking me this? If you love me, you'll do it. Boom. Johnson recounted and she said, why are you, oh no, sorry, explaining her own inability to put the brakes on the plan, Johnson said, I just wanted to go home, but Charlie said it was too late, that I was already involved. Said if that anybody said anything to anyone, that person would be taken care of, and I was scared shitless. Aaron had seemed elated after the killings, Johnson explained, and said she was free. In fact, Johnson said she wanted to get out of the car to make sure that everyone was dead, and it was Aaron who insisted that her brothers be killed. According to Johnson and Wade, the boys picked on her, Aaron said and she didn't want them to be left in foster care. They were ridiculous reasons, not even reasons, just an excuse, Wade said. We pulled away from the house, and she was happier than a kid on Christmas morning. One afternoon that spring, um, Charlie was visited at, at the Polunsky unit in Livingston, the imposing maximum, maximum, mm -hmm. maximum security prison that is best known for housing death row. Now 19, he looked impossibly young for someone who will never step beyond the guard towers in wire again. He wore a starched white inmate's uniform, a buzz cut, and a doleful expression. He was frank about the horror of what he had done and made no excuses for himself. I was sitting on my, if I was sitting on my jury, I would have stuck that needle in my arm, he told me. At the same time, he said Aaron had given me an opportunity to call off the plan. It was her idea, he said, that any time she, she would have said, well, we're not going to do it after all, it never would have happened. He had no ill words for the people who had so viciously attacked, um, of, for the people he had so viciously attacked. Of the cafes, he painted a nostalgic portrait. You know them family pictures they print in movies and stuff, he said, the old-timey ones at the white fence? When I was at their house, that was the family that was like. They were perfect. When I visited the subject of his role in Tyler's murder, he grew quiet and studied his hands, his eyes slowly filling with tears. I don't really want to talk about that. Oh. Mm. As when he spoke about Aaron was when his voice softened and grew sentimental. I would have done anything her, for her. She was smart, very caring. I didn't know why she wanted it done, why it had to be done like that, but I was. But she was a nice person. Ugh. No, she wasn't. But weeks after the killings, when he was being held at the county jail on $1.5 million bond, he had been devastated to learn from his defense attorney that Aaron had, in fact, asked a previous boyfriend to kill her parents, too. Sergeant Vance had interviewed the boy whom Aaron was caught kissing at the Miracle Face, and he told the Texas Ranger that Aaron had spoken to him about her desire to have them killed several months before she had started dating Charlie. Wow. Mm. It made me question a lot of things, Charlie said. After months of pushing me and convincing me and all this, I got to thinking that maybe I was just a tool. He had not spoken to her since the morning of the crime, and he's barred from communicating with her ever again. He will forever have to wonder if she wanted her parents dead that she could be with him, or simply that she could be freed of her family's control. I don't know what's wrong with her head. She needs to have it look, <laughs> looked at. Agreed. Charlie was more bewildered by Aaron's behavior than bitter. 
Knowing everything he knew, I asked him, do you still love her? He thought for a moment before answering the question, and um, the person asking him this, but, ah, studied his face behind the plexiglass. Once you love somebody, you can't quit, Charlie said. You always will. Wowzers. I, I don't even... That was a... That... that her dad, man. That's, that's just, wow. as a parent, like, what? I couldn't, I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could be that forgiving. I mean, I think I'd always love my child, but I'm like, you're, you did this. Like, like mm-mm. Well, you guys. I would probably, I don't know, I, I might, still, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It would take a lot for me to still visit. Mm-hmm. If they murdered, like, my other kids i don't know if i can it's one thing to murder someone they don't know or right someone that's not family but if my child murdered like the rest of my family i don't know how it i don't i pray and oh. hope that never has to be a situation right i find myself in but kudos to her fucking warrior dad who was shot five times one of them being a head injury and then being set on fire So well, that just leaves you with a bad taste in your mouth, doesn't it? You're welcome, Babylonians. You're so welcome. Ouch! Um, I hurt. Ouch! I just hurt. I just feel gross. I, just, I, I need to shower. I know. I, I literally need to shower. But um, <laughs> oof. Well, there oof. you have it. There How do you, you feel? Have it. How do you guys feel? Yeah, let it. We Does can that just ruin your whole day. Better help. Um, <laughs> go ahead and yeah, sponsor <laughs> us. They sponsor everybody else. We need to talk this out. We will, guys. Let's uh, let's talk about yeah, let's this. Talk this out. For sure. Let's, uh, please let us know your feelings about all of it. That's a good dad. That's a, a damn good dad. I don't... I don't uh, and I don't know what's better, for him to believe the truth or to not believe the truth. And right. it's easier for him to be like, you know what, I'm going to choose to believe that my daughter would never do this. Because he wasn't being hateful for those boys either. He wasn't like, F you. Not that he would because he's super Christian, but like, right? you know, like... He didn't want them to die. I don't know. I, yeah, oof. that's that's fucking heavy. That's a heavy, heavy burden to carry. And I don't know. I what do you? How do you guys feel? Let us fucking know, please. Let us know. <laughs> yeah. Let us know. Let oh us know. Let gosh. us know. Let us know. We love you. We Thank love you, you guys so support. freaking much. Um, we hope you guys have a fabulous beginning of summer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Enjoy. Be safe. Make good choices. Don't go out after dark alone. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> un- don't, don't murder your parents. Don't Thanks. murder your parents. Yeah. <laughs> Fantasy and world music by the factors does our sound. Don't murder your parents. <laughs> reach us. If you got any requests you'd like us to do, let reach us out to us on our socials or our email, bloodybabblespodcast at gmail.com. Don't murder your parents. Don't murder um, your parents. Don't murder your Don't murder your siblings. Other, your sibling. Don't just don't murder. Just don't murder? How about that? That's the thought for this episode. Don't murder anyone ever thanks, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> on that note until next time Babylon. <laughs> have you ever wondered who would make the sexiest zombie matt damon pepper me with your damon teeth all up on me what would happen if your penis was where your head should be they have to have something to look at like a face that would eventually become my face <laughs> the center cut a podcast where Michael and Dave only watch the beginnings and ends of your favorite movies and TV shows and try to figure out the middle. Just search The Center Cut everywhere you find podcasts. And remember, it's always better in the center. <laughs>